The Knowledge Panel Show, Episode 15, International SEO. The Knowledge Panel is brought to you by Inlinks, the entity-based SEO platform that helps you rank higher and stay ranked longer. Try Inlinks over at inlinks.net. Hi there, I'm your temporary host, David Bain. Dixon's away for this month, but he'll be back bright and breezy for October's episode. So today we are focusing in on what it takes to be a success with international SEO in 2021. And joining me to discuss that are three fantabulous panelists. Starting off with a lady who was European Search Personality of the Year in 2018. She's spoken at over 100 conferences in both English and Spanish, and she's founder of the results-driven SEO consultancy, Orainti. Welcome, Alida Solis. Hello, how are you, David? It's a pleasure to be here today. Yeah, very good. Thank you for joining us. Great to have you on here. So um, next up is a lady who has been successful in international SEO for the past 25 years. She specializes in helping big brands in the US and Europe enter the Japanese marketplace. And she's the founder of AJPR. Hello and welcome to Motoko Hunt. Hi, thank you for having me. Hey, Motoko, thank you so much for joining us. And finally, last and hopefully not least, is a gentleman who's approaching a quarter of a century in the digital marketing industry himself. He's global global managing director of SEM International, offering multilingual digital marketing services for brands and agencies. Welcome, Michael Bonfils. Thank you. I should have like an old man voice after that. <laughs> you know, thank you for. Well, I think you've me. got one. <laughs> I do a little bit because of my coughing. Yeah. That's all right. Okay, I'll I'll try and uh, make your voice sound uh, younger in the post edit. <laughs> Listen to the audio <laughs> <Okay>. version, everyone. <laughs> so um, let's start off um, with um, talking about the state of Google from an international search perspective, because I think a lot of SEOs can't see past optimizing for Google, and um, they think I, I, it's only sufficient, I guess, just to optimize for Google. Um, so, uh, Elida, shall we start off with you? Do you, do you think it's ever sufficient? to just think of Google or should you always be thinking of other search engines as well? Oh, oh I love this, this, the typical SEO answer, right? It depends. It depends <laughs> actually on, on your own business capacity and goals. And, and of course, if you have set as a goal to enter the Chinese market because of business goals that you, you, you really need to accomplish, of course, then Google will definitely not be enough. The same with uh, South Korea, for example, then Google won't be enough. So it, it depends on which are your target markets, which are, and, and I have to say that for smaller companies, um, SEO can be one of the inputs to take into consideration how easy it is to actually uh, have organic search visibility in that market and to drive uh, traffic and revenue, depending on how reliant on organic search is, is that business, right? So I have definitely helped, especially for uh, startups, right, to do that as and then. But if you have already a very well-established brand uh, that is all over the world and you know very well that you want to be in certain markets that where Google is not yet uh, the main player, then you really de definitely will need uh, to set presence in other search engines, right? So the, the answer will be, it depends on your goals and requirements, right? And, and how um, uh, used Google is in that market. I have to say that um, Google has started to, like even 
start to be used much more in the last few years in markets where there were all the local search engines, like in Russia, right? Yandex was still a few years ago um, the main player and had a higher share of the market. Not anymore. It's very blended. It's very equal, very balanced. Uh, even Google has a little bit higher share now. So uh, you, it's not a requirement to have uh, Yandex presence anymore. But of course, the, the, the wider the reach you want, uh, the, the best, the more it will help, right? To, to have also a presence there, but it will highly depend. So for example, Motoko can talk definitely more regarding Japan, but it depends on your market, right? For the Western, for the Western world, in any case, yes, Google is enough, but there are certain countries, China, South Korea, uh, potentially Japan now, that the, the, the game is, is definitely different, right? So, Matoko, for, for, for maybe then broadening out the question a little bit, um, from a website that wants to compete in different countries, um, is it ever, from that perspective, enough just to focus on Google? Or um, when you start to think about more than one country, is it always necessary to think of different search engines? Yeah, so, you know, Definitely, Google is, you know, the most popular in many countries, including, you know, Japan and even uh, South Korea now that Google is the, you know, have the market share, bigger market share than neighbor. Um, but, you know, when you just start to optimizing just for the Google and then now the Google say that, uh, they can crawl the JavaScript, no problem. So you start putting all kinds of links and important information in the JavaScript. And then when you start to use that same uh, website structures and then, you know, the web page templates and then try to um, target Baidu in China, um, Baidu doesn't crawl the JavaScript. So you're not going to do well. So Step back, if you already know you're going to include, um, your business will include, uh, you know, neighbor in Korea and in Baidu in China, uh, then your whole design, website design should be, you know, thinking about what we need to do to optimize for Baidu or neighbor at the same time. Unless you are willing to create a different website for China, Define website for Korea using uh, different, you know, the coding and designs. But if you want to use the one website structures and it just copied onto, you know, and then push it out to the China and Korea and in Japan and everywhere else, uh, you really should think about um, before you even start, you know, designing a website. Um, as far as the market share goes. Uh, or you know which target, um, which search engines to target. I think even in a na uh, neighbor in Korea or Yandex in uh, uh, Russia, even though they might not be the number one search engines anymore, they still have the good portion of the market share, right? Um, even in the states, I think the Microsoft still has like a twenty to twenty-five percent of the market share. So they might not be number one, but if you ignore the 25% of the audience, that's a pretty good business opportunity, You're just completely ignoring. So I think it's important to not focus too much on a Google. Uh, make sure that the, your business is, you know, 
the online business is including all of the other secondary or you know another important search engines. Uh, I think that's the one of the easier way to grow your business. Um, you know, you're trying to do 100% well in a Google, but if it's Google is still only 75% of the market share or 50% of the market share, then you're missing out a huge opportunity in that, you know, that country. So, um, yeah, I think that, the, you know, focusing too much on the Google um, can be, uh, you know, huge missed, op- missed opportunity for the businesses. So, so Michael, um, Motoko actually touched upon the fact that actually having decent web experience is essential for uh, different search engines and uh, different search engines require different things. Does this mean that um, ultimately if you're targeting China or a country like that, then you're better off designing a website specifically for that country? Or is it possible to actually have an experience um, that um, is logical and flows nicely between different country websites on the same domain? That's a, that's a great question. And uh, in a later brought this up as well, it depends on your goals. So if we take a look at Naver, we're going to talk, let me talk about Naver and Russia. Uh, Yandex. Okay, so Naver and Yandex, both of them are very language, cultural based search engines, or even portals, uh, it'd be fair to say. Um, on Naver, for example, Naver when you're a Korean, when you try to search for something organically on Naver, it isn't as easy as you might think. It's not like Google. You actually end up with lots of ads. You end up with lots of forums. You might find a tiny little organic block of organic SEO within a massive amount of results. That doesn't mean that you don't optimize for it, but it also means that, okay, Am I am I getting into Korea? And I, if I'm getting into Korea, am I really going after the language and the culture based on my product? If I'm B two B, maybe Google Korea is a lot better for you. And a lot of a lot of Korean businessmen will probably use Google for deeper searches. They may not find good results on on Naver, but if you're selling a cosmetic product. Um, uh, in South Korea, maybe neighbors a better place for you to also have optimization. So, you know, that's what you have to think of. And if you think of Yandex, um, Yandex too, Yandex is very, it's built around the Russian language and it's built around uh, regions and the local markets. Um, a lot of people, if you look at the, if, if you ever use Yandex Metrica or any other um, analytic package, you'll see a lot of flow between users that jump from from Yandex to Google constantly because they're constantly looking for different results. If I want um, to find out why my heating went out in my building in Russia, I'm going to use Yandex. Um, if I want to find out, you know, what's the 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 best running shoes of the day, um, I'll probably jump onto Google. So you know, the users are moving back and forth between the two. Um, constantly in those cases, you know, why would you, oh, again, it, it probably works exactly like Leda said. I mean, why would you create a, a website that doesn't capture both or both Google Russia and uh, Yandex together? 
unless of course you are very very specific to the language and culture with your product byte is a different beast because you don't have the google competitor in that market um you don't really have that much of any competitor uh in china so that's a different um different topic altogether so you, you we've, we've mentioned Naver, Yandex, Baidu there. Um, the, the, those are three of the, the the main search engines in other countries. Is it worthwhile maybe focusing in on those search engines just a little bit and just talking about um, the the specs that are required to optimize more effectively for those search engines? Maybe things like um, uh, optimizing any snippets that appear in search results or what those search engines specifically are looking for when they're crawling your site. Um, uh, maybe going back to Aleda, Aleda, which search engine would you like to choose to focus on in, in terms of uh, why it's different? Well, I would say Google, <laughs> actually. Okay. You know what? Realistically, because uh, honestly, if you're reaching... 90% of the countries of the world, you will still optimize with Google and for Google. But the, the biggest mistake that I see that people do when optimizing with Google and for like as Google as a main search engine uh, in Latin America, in Europe, or in other markets that are not the US, is to assume that they can pretty much continue to do what they do for the US and just to translate. In some time, and sometimes that is a big mistake, like just to extrapolate the already existing URL structure that they have in the US to Spanish or, or um, and thinking that they will rank automatically well for Latin America, right? That is a big mistake, right? So I will even like start with a very big use case that I will say is one of the biggest mistakes in, in uh, international SEO that I that I see, right? They literally need to not assume that Google has the same level of sophistication or, or search features uh, that they have in the US in all of these other markets because they don't. So for example, I have clients that are leveraging a lot of FAQs or IQ or how-to type of uh, uh, um, clicks because of the highest click-through rate that these sort of uh, snippets provide in U.S. search results. And uh, that will be a very, like, lost investment if they try to do that for the Mexican uh, version or their Colombian version because Google is not showing those snippets at least in those instances of those queries that they are that they are ranking for, they are targeting. So again, trying to assume that what is already working for you in US SERPs or in your current SERPs is just translating the content and even localizing. So you think, oh, it's, it has been a native speaker, whatever. I So I, I'm going to extrapolate exactly the same pages with the same sort of technical optimizations, et cetera, and assume that it will rank in the best possible way in that market. That is a big mistake. So. And, and then another very big mistake is thinking that Google will have the same level of sophistication, identifying link spam, for example, and, and, and ranking cert certain type of pages or not in certain markets. So just and it's and it's very reasonable if you think about it, right? Go to a search result and again in Colombia. And I'm not even going to very niche smaller countries in, in Central America, right? That is even worse. But if you go to search results in Colombia and take a look at the link profile of the pages ranking in the first positions for very competitive terms, those pages will, ha will have had a very hard time to rank in the top positions in the US. And I am not talking of link volume here, but about link quality and authoritativeness and share of good and bad links and links that look a little bit manipulated in some cases. So again, 
uh, but, but I understand that Google cannot apply the same sort of filters and have the same level of sophistication uh, in the algorithm in every single market because if they try to do that in Colombia or in Peru or smaller countries, they won't have any sites to rank anymore. Yeah, right? it's, it's a great point. Absolutely. So, so please, let's start with the fundamentals that I believe that a lot of people misunderstand and waste then end up wasting a lot of money trying to develop the same sort of projects or, or, or developments that they do in the US or in the UK or in their main markets across all of them. And sometimes half of them don't make sense or don't make much sense in these other markets. So it's critical to validate not only from a content localization perspective, but like opportunities based on those specific layers and the sub features and level of sophistication and what Google actually is ranking and how Google is displaying in the results there. Yeah, I actually worked in the Australian market for a bit in SEO. And even there, in certain industries, there's so much less competition than in places like the UK or US. And that means that uh, you can probably get away with more aggressive or spammy tactics that wouldn't work quite so well in the US or, or, or in the UK. So look at the SERP, look at the competition from different countries. You also touched upon the Mexican market there as well. Um, so what about um, writing Spanish? Do you find that a lot of companies just use a generic version of Spanish for every single Spanish-speaking country? And if so, does that turn people off in places like Mexico? Yes, indeed. And I have to say that uh, a lot uh, still think about, oh, I want to rank in Latin America, right? Uh, without understanding that each Latin American country have their own specific terms and usage of language. In some cases, they are very, very different. In other cases, they are not that 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 much, right? Um, so you can get away with having like a very simplistic targeting if 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 if, if you can right or if you, you cannot do like a, a specific country targeting right. But what it is important is to validate in each specific case. So for for example, in in, in again, it depends a lot on the usage of language and, and your industry. Right. For example, if you're in the car rental industry, uh, you pretty much need. A specific side for every country because also the business model right is local oriented so locations and cities are searched along your your service or products and the offering is also will will change a lot depending on 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 the local uh, product uh, and then the, the the funnily enough like car rental in spanish one of those terms that will change in a lot of countries carros autos coches oh my god there's so many ways to say cars in spanish because of any reason. I don't know why. But on the other hand, if you are, for example, a project management tool, uh, you don't need necessarily country versions, right? Because it's a SaaS, your, your product offering won't change per country. You can't personalize and localize certain areas, of course, um, currency, payment, conditions, things like that. But you can do this a little bit on the dynamically on, on the back, back end. And also uh, the, the way that Gestion de proyectos or project management search across many of the countries and in in in, uh, in Spanish will be the same. But again, it's it's luck, it's good luck uh, of the language usage combined along your business model. So you can you will need to validate in which area you are in the spectrum, right? You, you can get away even having language versions, or maybe you are in one of those industries and areas where the term change every single time. And because of the nature of your business, you really need localized country-focused versions. Great thoughts. Matoko, what are your thoughts on, on another search engine apart from Google and, and how that differs in terms of what you've got to do to optimize for it? 
Um, you know, the different search engines, I think Baidu and Neighbor and Yandex too, they, they're kind of trying to um, update and improve their indexing and uh, search results, what they provide in the search results to make sure that the you know, results is high quality enough that the people keep using their search engines. And then for that reason, that they start looking at the more you know backlinks uh, more than used to, and all those things um, you know they've been updating, and it kind of becoming closer and closer to the Google's algorithm in a way. Um, but what makes difference is really not the search engines, but the users. Right, the market, the audience. Like Arede was saying, that the, you know, depending on which country you are targeting, uh, your content doing well in this states or U.S. or in the U.K. may not do well because the people in the countries are looking at the different keywords or you know, searching with the different words or looking for the different characteristic of the certain informations. Um, I think before you even get into that, uh, one of the most frustrating things that uh, us all international SEO experience is having to deal with in the most cases that they take that main country's website, just translate in a copy and then push it out, copy and paste and then push it out. And then really that doesn't work. You know, uh, they expect to work from the day one, but that really not uh, cater to the target audience in each countries. Um, they might translate, but uh, they spend all that money and then time resources to make your main country's website really like a palace, you know, and then put the quality backlinks and the quality content that works well for your main, you know, the country audience. But when you copy and paste and then push it out version of that international websites, they don't even have the backlink from that specific local, you know, local market um, where you are trying to compete with local uh, competitors who has tons of, you know, quality links already from uh, local websites and uh, they, they know their audience because they're local companies. And then when you're trying to go head to head with those, you know, uh, local competitors, uh, your weakness starts show really quickly. And okay. yeah. So it sounds like more of a, a cultural understanding and mm -hmm. um, uh, active research within the country rather than actually understanding technical differences between right. search engines. And the opportunities sorry, too. And the opportunities yeah. too, because I, I, I do believe that there's this, let's say, uh, a little bit of a broken vision that, uh, again, search engines in all the countries will behave in a similar, a little bit different, but but some somewhat similar way that Google. But so, for example, as far as I understand, um, the last time that I I um, I um, um, had the opportunity to do a little bit of a, of a of an interview when I was in in China in 2019 or so with people with SEOs uh, that are specializing in Naver in South Korea and then also in Beidou in, in, uh, for China. So, for example, the, the, the one, the SEO in China that I was interviewing regarding 
ranking in, in Baidu, give me the top critical tips, whatever. And the first tip he was, was like, please uh, don't rely on SEO, do SEM, paid search in Baidu. Let's be realistic because you, you, you cannot expect to get the type of visibility ranking organically as in Google first. Then on the other hand, people don't only search in Baidu and there are more and more people who don't rely on Baidu anymore to search that much in China because of, let's say, trust issues. And, and they will rely much more in the version of Quora that exists in China. Not, it's not Quora, but it's their version. It has its own name. It's a local Q&A platform. So they rely on other people's content. And then a lot of people using um, WeChat and searching for businesses like and which had a lot of people like try to do the comparison with um with uh, our whatsapp here in the western world and it is a little bit like this but let's say that whatsapp provide 20 percent or less of the functionalities that that uh that uh, uh, they they do have with uh Sorry, WhatsApp provide 10% or so the, the functionalities that they have with WeChat there. Like when I was in China, I was like, everything is through WeChat, like from scanning QR codes of businesses and looking for them like that. They have profiles or presences like with Facebook pages and they can buy through them and even pay through them. So a lot of the searches, a lot of the transactions and everything and presence uh, are with WeChat, right? So you can build a pretty good business just, and there are influencers that are WeChat based. So just to give you an idea, right? So it's, it's very like, it's very spread out. It's, it's very heterogeneous. It's not like in the US. So people search with Google and then a little bit with Bing and that's it. No, it's very spread out. And the behavior of people searching is a little bit different than uh, what we think of as search changing here, right? It's as Motoko mentioned, creating presence because they, they also behave more of a hub. They are more like, like a hub. So yes, you need to create presence in their, in their um, blog network or platforms because they will have like a, an area highlighted in search results for them. So it's, imagine having to create a little bit presence in blogs posts that is Google owned to, to be able to be shown in a, in a, very specific uh, section in, in search results in Google. So they have their own snippets. So you need to identify where these snippets are coming from. In a lot of cases, it will come from their own services, but certain features, certain other verticals. And again, especially for China, don't think that you will do much necessarily purely reliant. As far as, far as I have, have um, heard from Chinese-based SEOs, purely organic with Baidu, right? Like diversify use other platforms, mobile apps that they use a lot. And then of course, unfortunately also paid search because if we think that Google is not necessarily very friendly to SEO sometimes here in the Western world, I, I won't repeat what they told me about <laughs> Baidu in China because I don't want issues, but yes, let's say that it's even less friendly, right? Uh, Elena, you, you, started off by, you started <laughs> off by talking about perhaps you should consider paid on Baidu and you just fin finished off by talking about that as well. Uh, Michael, w what's your experience with uh, the necessity and strategy behind perhaps actually going in from an international perspective um, with um, paid search and SEO hand in hand? Okay, so there's a there's so much that I wanted to add some additional color on here, and which is totally related to the question as well. So we'll take. Um, let me start with Baidu. Um, Baidu, Baidu. Uh, by the way, they bought the company, the Quora company, like a year ago, 
Aleda, and they've incorporated all of those Q&A core questions into the results now. So that's a good point that you bring up. So optimize toward the toward Quora. Um, the challenge with Baidu is really speed um, in hosting. So, you know, getting Chinese hosting is rather difficult. There's a lot of red tape. There's a lot of bureaucracy, government bureaucracy, especially to try to get hosting a domain name there. And if you don't have that, um, you risk being captured outside of the firewall, which slows your site down. And that is a major factor in ranking on Bayou is site speed. So that, you know, just in, especially even if the, if the crawler can't even crawl you because of the site speed issue, they're not going to index you. So that's been a huge challenge. Um, there are similarities. They do want fresh content. Um, they want uh, good, relevant content on Baidu um, to rank well. But, you know, also, I mean, what I, I recommend when it comes to paid on, on Baidu and organic is before you even get into organic, do paid on Baidu just so you can get things to work. You know, understand the questions, understand the look at your site speed, look at the click through rate, look at all of these things and really test out your site and everything before you even attempt to do organic on Baidu with paid. Um, so they go hand in hand. Also with Naver, Naver paid and organic is a, is a natural good fit. Um, Yandex on the other hand, Yandex has really, really good engineers. They do a great job with their technology, great job with their algorithm. It's very impressive. I think um, if you looked at organic, organically on Yandex, how they regionalize everything. Remember what I said about, I could actually say what's wrong with my building? Why did the water shut off? That is how good Yandex's technology it is. It, it will pinpoint exactly where I am, exactly the building I'm in. They'll they'll find exactly the the utility company and immediately come back with an answer. Um, if if Google took Yandex's idea and put that into Latin American countries around how Yandex uh, builds their algorithm around each individual region, it would be really impressive. And it would actually probably make life a little bit easier for us uh, international search people. Um, but on Yandex, we don't really see a, nece a necessity to do both paid and organic. You can do well in organic. Just remember their, their indexing is off the chart you can show for one week you could be gone the next week you're there and you know it's really hard to kind of pinpoint what's wrong because their algorithm changes so much and it's so chaotic um even they don't know they don't even know the rules sometimes I, that's 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 so many wonderful thoughts and um, kind of great thoughts on obviously the state of um, search engines around the world. I, I'd like to touch a little bit upon what SEOs generally have to do technically to sites just to try and um, ensure that they're likely to appear in search results internationally and just be considered. So um, maybe if I can go around all of you, just to get a few thoughts on things like, um, is it necessary to uh, include uh, non-Latin characters in your URLs when you're targeting countries like China, Japanese, uh, Japan, Korea? Um, is, it is it possible necessary to have different um, 
domains, for instance, for each country? Is it necessary maybe to go for a subdomain or folder structure or better to do that? Just just other technical thoughts, maybe even touching on things like hreflang as well. Um, so we touch off, um, start off with uh, Motoko on that one. Um, yeah, sure. Um, so that, that, okay, so let's start with the domain. Uh, country specific, you know, CCTLD, um, yeah, if you can get it, uh, I would recommend you have that. You don't have to have it, but, uh, you know, um, that JP will be good uh, signal to the local audience that as far as that the trust goes, uh, they will think that, the, you know, company has that CEO, that JP. Uh, you have to have the address in Japan in order for you to get that specific address. So, uh, you know, trust value will be added to, you know, by having that domain. Um, as far as that will help indexing faster or not is a different story. I don't think that will be uh, any difference. But um, backlinks, you will need a backlinks from Japanese uh, websites in order for you to do well in uh, Japanese search ranking. Uh, in order, you know, in addition to have the Japanese website, right, that translate it. But if they, you don't have any other signals to say uh, that this site is designed for Japan, then it's probably hard time ranking well uh, in the search results. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah, once you translate in, in well, between the subdomain and uh, the folder, I always like going to folders. Uh, but, uh, you know, again, it doesn't really uh, matter as far as the indexing goes. Um, and, uh, yeah, so, so that the domain and the hosting location will be a different. Um, the websites that you know download really quickly in the states can struggle uh, showing up even in a country with high-speed internet available, like in Japan, in South Korea. Uh, I I've seen that the pages download in two seconds in the states takes fifteen seconds in in Japan. Is so, it not possible to just to go for a decent CDN in Japan, or is it necessarily to go on full-on hosting in Japan? Uh, it depends on, you know, what your CDN services is. But, uh, you know, you might want to check. Make sure that the, your page is downloading as fast as you think it's doing in Japan. Uh, yeah. So so that's another thing. Yeah, I see that the many sites, uh, website owners that assume their site is doing well. And then, yeah. unfortunately, when you use the page speed insights or those tools, it really doesn't show that much of the difference. Uh, I don't know why, but it doesn't. You cannot tell uh, the difference uh, between that the tools experience and the actual people's experience in those markets. So, uh, if you have that office in Japan or Korea or China, help them. You know, actually, you know, tell you that uh, uh, how long it's taking for them to. Uh, download the page. I've seen many sites that, that you know, many company. When they ask them, they will tell you, but uh, they're not necessarily communicating that to the uh, headquarters 
who are managing the website design or hosting or anything like that. So I think it's that important to communicate, you know, kind of ask them, hey, you know, is our page downloading okay? Um, characters in the URLs. Um, for Japan, uh, we use the double byte characters. Uh, some of the websites have the you know, Japanese character domain, Japanese character file names, things like that. Uh, it really doesn't have much impact on the SEO-wise, the ranking-wise. Uh, people might think that you know, it might help click-through rates when it's ranked high enough in the search results. The problem is many of the tools, website tools, and analytics tools included, when you try to look at the page data, those double byte characters usually breaks up and you don't know which page anymore on the database. So that's the problem. Uh, so, you know, if, if it's the Japanese companies and then you only have the Japanese website, uh, it might be doable, but for global companies trying to compare the data uh, and then trying, you know, this one product page from how it's doing from UK uh, site to US sites to Japan sites. And then it's hard to compare because Japanese pages, you know, the file name breaks up. So in that case, it's probably just easy to go ahead and use the alphabet, you know, uh, okay. just like in a US file name. So later, from your perspective, um, what are the main technical uh, challenges that um, international SEOs need to be aware of? Yeah, I think that the first one is to assume, and many companies unfortunately think it is like that, is that they will pretty much just need to translate the content and add extra flag annotations to whatever URL structure that they decide to create for the other uh, countries or language versions, and that will be it. And that's enough, right, from a technical standpoint. First, extra flag annotations is not necessarily I will say useful in every single use case. Uh, it's very handy when you have especially a very strong initial uh, web structure in your initial country or, or language version that ends up ends up uh, um, ranking in non-relevant countries or internet non-relevant languages. So Google, you notify Google which is the one, which is the page that they should actually show. But this realistically will tend to happen when you are targeting uh, different countries with very similar. Uh, languages with the same language and, and then having very similar country content uh, like the US versus the UK or Australia, etc. And then across different uh, countries that speak Spanish, right? So I will say that a lot of people think, oh my God, I need to also add digital flag annotations in every single URL. No, you will tend to need to add digital flag annotations for uh, your main pages, categories, subcategories, those that will exist across every single uh, markets too. And then all those keep very important products that you will tend to have across the different markets, but not in, in every single URL that sometimes is no index, it's canonicalized, and then they will get, they will trigger all of these errors in the Google Search Console as a, as a consequence, right? And it's, it's a big mess as a consequence. So again, assess if it is really needed to add the annotations. If you have these pages uh, with very similar content uh, targeting different uh, countries, different markets, uh, and, and and then 
prioritize those pages that you are seeing in the Google Search Console or in SEMrush or Href or Citrix that are ranking in the wrong country, right? A US page start ranking in, in the UK or vice versa, things like that. Um, then on the other hand, um, the, the, uh, potentially like another very big mistake and issue that I see is starting at, at um, uh, when when uh, uh, companies are, are just launching, right? Is um, not thinking if they need to target countries versus languages or, or uh, understanding that there's no way, unfortunately, to geolocate regions. And um, as, a, as a consequence, they they launch a European version or a Latin American version and then not having a way to geolocate uh, through Google, right? Because that that AU is not geolocated by default, as many people think, as a domain extension, right? So the best way to do it is to target every single country individually and geolocate um, if you are not using a CCTLD for each country, uh, .es for Spain, .fr for France, and so on, then geolocate, create subdirectories and geolocate, register and geolocate through the Google Search Console, each one of them through the Google Search Console. And that is fundamental, not like the Azure plan annotation, which is Let's say if you are running into certain issues, like to give more signals to Google, which is the right page to 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 show in each case. But the geolocation in the Google Search Console, if you're not using a CCTLD, is critical, right? Uh, then, on the other hand, regarding what to use if uh, if uh, subdomains, subdirectories, CCTLDs, if your country targeting, I think that take a look at the SERPs, check out which are those type of domains that Google is ranking in those countries. You can find things like, oh, the only CCTL is ranking in the top positions. Well, it seems that, yeah, there is a lot of prominence and importance um, given to the geolocation signal in that particular scenario. And then you see the link profile of these pages and you see that, well, they have a few hundred links. They are not necessarily like a global domain with millions of links that you won't be able to catch up with. So if that's the case, go with a CCTLD because you can see that that is what is actually uh, 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 performing well there. On the other hand, you might go to many markets and see, oh, it is a lot of GTLDs ranked there. GTLDs targeted to, to those countries, or you will see that there are a lot of, of, of global.coms with subdirectories geolocated to those countries ranking very well. And then you realize that they have millions of backlinks pointing to them. So it's not very reasonable for you to try to use a CCTLD that has zero links and think that you can rank there in, in, in less than a year, even if you have the most relevant con content, very well optimized in the world for that country, right? So if that's the case, think strategically, do the analysis and select the web structure that you see that will be much more competitive in those SERPs. Unfortunately, again, these are the SEO, let's say, criteria and best practices and common sense type of thing of validation that you will need to go through. But there are many other legal business sort of restrictions and requirements that you will need to take into consideration. So, for example, if you're working in certain sectors like the financial market, binary options, Forex, whatever, you cannot sometimes use the same domain that you're using to target the US users than the, the European ones, than the Asian ones and others, because the rules and conditions and privacy concerns and legal concerns are completely different. So there are a lot of restrictions that you also need to take into consideration into the mix, right? But yes, um, I agree with Motoko that is usually, it tends in let's say most of the cases, right? It's important to validate, but in most of the cases, I completely agree with, Moro uh, with Motoko that leveraging the current GTLD authority to, let's say, fast, fast track 
your 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 visibility in in new markets, uh, leveraging the existing uh, popularity by creating subdirectories that you geolocate if you are if you are targeting countries, if you are not targeting languages, then that will take to 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 be in a lot of scenarios the way to move forward in a much more cost-efficient way and, and fast way. Super. Right? Brilliant yeah. stuff. Michael, do you have any uh, technical international SEO thoughts to add to that? Yeah, I mean, they, they both of them covered a lot. They covered great work. I mean, that was fantastic. So I, I the only thing I would probably add to that, which is not really much an ad, is um, CCTLDs. So when do you use CCTLDs? Typically, um, CCTLDs are when you are seriously in the market, right? If I'm Xerox and I'm in France, Xerox.fr, that's going to develop trust. That's going to develop more links and it'll make it easier for links. There's more authority there because they are a big brand and known in the country and they take that market very seriously. Um, Where another market, Maybe Peru is not a really big market for them where they don't really need a, a, a CCTLD. So it really is your business case of why you would want a CCTLD, but it's not 100% necessary. So that's one thing to remember. And then I will end with one quick story of how bad this can be when you mess up. So we were working with Blizzard and um, Hunt family discovered this and uh, we found that 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 in Latin America, in Peru, all of their Mexican pages were showing up over their Peruvian pages. And we brought it up to them that, hey, you've got a big problem with Atrop Lang. And they really just shrugged their shoulders, thinking that, okay, it's not a big deal. We're still getting ranking everywhere. But then they looked at it closer and found out that people in Peru don't buy with Mexican pesos, right? And they lost millions of dollars in potential sales because of things like this. So it's so simple to mess something up by ignoring it than doing things right. Great thoughts, great thoughts. Sorry, sorry. Michael. Yeah, just one quick point to to that, what Michael just said is, um, I've seen that the many, um, you know, things like that happens to many websites. And then problem is that that's when the, Headquarter kind of we need to intervene because when you let that um, two of the you know the local sites or local markets compete like that, uh, whoever is getting the traffic by showing up in the wrong market, they kind of like getting that traffic even though it's not converting to their dollars. And then at the same time, the other market, the right market website is losing business because somebody else's site is ranking. So that's when some something like that happens, the headquarter sites uh, kind of need to, that team needs to kind of go in and say, we need to use the HLF lang and make sure that the right page comes up in the right market for you know the audience user experience too. Not just for the business sake, but yeah. 
Wonderful stuff. Look, uh, we've already come to time. The conversation could go on for a long time. I reckon with the next international SEO focus, we've probably got to focus on one country as opposed to international SEO in general. But you share a lot of value. appreciate you all coming on here. Let's just finish off by asking you one other quick question each. And then if you share where people can get hold of you online, that would be wonderful as well. So back to you, Aleda. Uh, In terms of a final question, um, what are some international keyword research tips? Can people, for instance, just use the one tool? Is it important to use a tool that's native to the one country? Any other keyword research tips? And then just after you sharing that, if you just share where people can find you online, please. Yes, I will say that uh, most of, thankfully now, nowadays, most of the uh, keyword tools are multi-country, multilingual. SEMrush is fantastic. Um, HREF, Systrix, they all have like a, uh, I think that they provide uh, keywords for most of the countries and languages. And so you have a wealth of data there. But of course, what is important is that you validate that those keywords actually uh, are, are are meaningful for you and are relevant for you by having someone who's native to validate them, right? That they have the right intent and that also these are terms that are actually needed to translate into your language because they are they are used like this in your in your industry. So for example, this is um, an example. I, I One of my clients right now is in the marketing automation sector. So in this case, I'm not only an SEO, but I, I, am, marketer, I am a marketer, right? And when I saw how they were translating certain terms in Spanish, like in Spanish, we don't we don't use Pagina de Aterrizaje, which is a translation for landing page. We use landing page. When you search in keyword research tools, you will see that Pagina de Aterrizaje also has like a minor search volume. So it's actually reflected there. But of course, if they send only this to the linguist, uh, who are not necessarily that much into SEO or marketing, digital marketing, they will translate it like Pagina de Aterrizaje. So it was me at that point saying, yes, that term is correct in Spanish, but we marketers don't use it that much. So let's leave the term in English, please, because otherwise it will look very weird. And I will definitely not click on that. So it's important to have this sort of validation for sure. Like having someone who might not necessarily be an SEO native in that language, but someone native who knows about that industry. Well, it's very, very useful. And then of course, if you want to double check yourself, just go and take a look at which are the top pages ranking for that term in those countries and see if the nature of those pages are similar to yours, are aligned to what you offers, or are pages that don't have anything to do with you. So that term is definitely used in a different, in a very different way that you may think it does, right? Even if it is the literal translation. Great thoughts. And where can people find you online, Aleda? Um, at Aleda in Twitter, aledasolis.com is my website or search Aleda. That is the interesting bit of having like a not so common name. So, and they will start <laughs> see me ranking in the first results. Yes. Superb stuff. Thanks for coming on. Uh, Matoko, um, your final question. What about translations? Is it possible to create a good user experience at all using machine translations or is that just nowhere near reality at the moment? I think it depends on the languages, maybe from English to um, Germany or, you know, German or Italian or French, maybe a little better than trying to translate uh, from English to Japanese, for example. Um, I deal with, you know, many websites that translate it from English or, you know, foreign that, or European languages into uh, you know, that Japanese language. And a lot of the time, 
they said that, that they didn't use machine translation. They used the translators or translation companies. But uh, even then, the quality is not no, no, not even close to human. Actually, you know, <laughs> not translated, but ri- written from the scratch. You know what I mean? The translation mm. because of the way that the U.S. or English language present the information to the audience. Uh, the tone of the voice or how it, how they approach to the sales speech, uh, anything like that, you know, any of those will be completely different for them, you know, how the people do business in Japan. So uh, it's not just the translation, the wording mistakes or anything like that, but in addition to that, uh, we need to advise our clients to update the tone of the voice uh, call to action message. Uh, you know, this can be taken as a route for Japanese audience. So usually we may, you know, talk to our audience this way. Uh, okay, so at yeah, least use, like use a that. final local person to do that definitely, final review. Definitely. Yeah. And the machine translation, because of the, uh, especially for Japanese uh, language, the grammar, grammatical structure is completely different. Uh, so the machine translation all, all usually doesn't work uh, for that that well for Japanese language. Uh, the you know the pronoun and the verb become backwards, or if you say that the pricing from you know. Uh, up from hundred dollars or something like that, and it doesn't, you know, the order of the uh, number and from or up to uh, doesn't match in uh, Japanese sentences. Uh, so usually, you know, you can do the machine translation as a first draft of the, of the translation, uh, but after that, you definitely need to have the human and a Japanese native person to, uh, you know, um, fine-tuning the sentences. Yeah. Great tips. Great tips. Mm -hmm. Matoko, where can people find you online? Um, uh, People can find me on uh, uh, ajpr.com and I'm also on Twitter, Motoko Hunt. Superb. Well, thanks again. Thanks so much for coming on. Thank and um, finally, Michael. Michael, you get the you get the cop out final question, and that is, uh, <laughs> what's one thing that we haven't talked about that we should have talked about? <clears throat> Probably culture. Um, everybody focuses on language. They focus on technical, um, and they focus nothing on culture. And um, I think that's a big miss. Um, culture is really important when it comes to content. It's important for link building it's important for finding keywords for important for understanding the audience and most importantly it's important for developing trust so really understanding the culture that you're of the market that you're targeting is is really important i talk to a local you know talk to a local to understand hey you know how is how is uh, nicaragua different from mexico can you give me examples and give me, you know, anything like that will really help you understand that more. Great stuff. Well, thanks so much for joining us as well. Um, Michael pulled over in his car and had to join us um, remotely because of um, getting stuck in traffic. But we really appreciate you being part of this as well. So uh, where can people find you online, Michael? Um, you can find me on LinkedIn. It's in Michael Bonfils or Twitter at Michael Bonfils, <laughs> pretty easy to find me or even um, my website, of course, seminternational.com.
Wonderful stuff. Okay, well, I've been your host, David Bain. You can also find me producing podcasts for BTB brands over at castingcred.com. Dixon will be back hosting next month's show on Monday the 18th of October at 4pm BST, when we'll be focusing on YouTube and podcast SEO. And I'll actually be joining as one of the guests for that one. I'll be joined by Dre Devera and Mark Asquith. Sign up at theknowledgepanelshow.com to be part of the live audience. Until we meet again, take care. We'll chat again soon. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Bye. Thanks. Thanks.